Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Shooting Pod Press. I am your host, Axe S. Mashman. We have three contenders, as usual, tonight for the championship. It's a triple threat between Reynolds, James, and Rob. As usual, we start with the opening bell. The first topic, is Kyle O'Reilly versus Adam Cole the best story in wrestling right now? James, what are your thoughts about this huge matchup coming up on NXT Stand and Deliver? It is not the best story right now in the industry. Right now, the best story belongs to old goat Roman, Roman Reigns. But I do believe that this is going to be the the Adam Cole match is going to be the best in-ring product of the whole WrestleMania weekend. Uh, Adam Cole had the one of the best in-ring parts performances, title reigns, I think, in WWE history. And I think Kyle O'Reilly is a breakout star who's going to show his talents on this WrestleMania weekend. Reynolds, I'm going to go to you. Uh, do you agree or disagree with James' assessment of this match? What, just of the match itself or just back to the whole story thing? The whole thing. As I, I mean, as far as the, the best story in, in all of wrestling, yeah, I'll say yeah right now. I mean, just based off that promo that they had uh, last week on the show was one of the, the like just best line after line straight through of eight minutes. I sent it to a casual friend of mine to get his thoughts. He hasn't texted back to me yet, We're so he's dead to me. But, uh, I mean, just everything about that, they play it so real and so true as grounded characters. It connects on almost every level you could want. And then you just know that the two guys in the ring, like Kyle O'Reilly for years has been one of the most underappreciated guys in all of pro wrestling. His character work is top-notch. His, his in-ring work, I mean, the guy literally, he's, he's, one of those, he's one of those dudes that, like, could be in a legit fight because he has the practical application of all his jiu-jitsu skills. It's fantastic. He's one of the best technical guys going right now. And like I said, just Adam Cole is right there with him and charisma for charisma. I don't know that you're going to get any better than these two guys going right at one another. Rob, what are your thoughts on this huge match coming up? Well, I, I wouldn't, I have to agree with these guys. I would not say it's the best rivalry storyline going right now in all of wrestling. I'm actually uh, waiting to see how it's going to be with Pinnacle going up against the inner circle. I'm really excited about that one because you have faction going up against faction and the way you have MJF going up against Chris Jericho, who's the real best leader of theirs. But in terms of this over here at NXT, I have to go with, you know, it is probably the best storyline that they have going in NXT, possibly what it would be the best storyline going outside of, you know, as James said, Roman Reigns, Adam Cole, it's when you want to make someone a standout, you always have them in a, in a faction. Then all of a sudden somehow, some way there's always the person to come out as the heel. And that's Adam Cole right here when he did the super kick on, on O'Reilly. So I got to go with this as being just one of the best things that WWE has going out of all three of their brands itself, where, you know, maybe Adam Cole, this would be the time for him to step up where, oh, we like what he does at NXT as a singles now, away from the Undisputed Era, and all of a sudden is he on Raw because it seems like Raw is going to be that next step for someone because SmackDown would be the next, like the final step because obviously Fox always wants to have the best guys going on their on their uh, show. Well, I definitely feel like that they're clearly defining the SmackDown as their best show with the last couple of Raws that I've seen. Um, By the way, I don't think that answers the question, Rob. You can't say, I'm waiting to see. Is this the best story right now? Well, I'm waiting to see how this one pans out. Like, the question was right now. Right now. You can't go like, oh, six months down the line, Pinnacle and MJF against Inner Circle might be great. 
Okay, I'll go right as of right now. Yes, I'll I'll go ahead and say that yes, this is probably the best rivalry going on television in all of wrestling. There's there's a lot going in terms of just the different, like you said, the the promo work that both had uh, last Wednesday on NXT. Just the way that they they're both. It seems like an actual they don't like each other type of rivalry, sort of like Hogan and Macho Man from WrestleMania Five. That they oh they're they're really. Like there's animosity there amongst the two, so it's like it's just a very good storyline to follow right now. And NXT, I mean, we've talked about this before. NXT is the best thing that WWE has going right now. Mm. You know, it, uh, it used to be like honestly, not to get too deviated off track here, but like I mean, in the pandemic era, I think Triple H has lost the ability to kind of follow what the fans are actually, what the live crowds are able to do, and and pivot to that. And they've deferred to a lot of just the sad stuff that we see on Mondays and Fridays. So I think SmackDown, right up until the draft, was actually the best thing that was going. And then once they moved a lot of a lot of those pieces off SmackDown, you still have the good Roman stuff. Sami Zayn has been phenomenal. Uh, Bailey has been doing some of the best work in the entire industry. There's a lot of good pieces on SmackDown. There's still a lot of trash mucked in there. But, uh, I mean, NXT, is it's really fallen. And, and I will say this, too, because, again, commentary a big deal with me. Losing Mauro Ronaldo has made that show infinitely worse. Vic Joseph is terrible. Beth Phoenix, I look, she could be good, but they are forcing her into their system, which sucks. It's a terrible system. And I think it's clearly that they want to lean her into being the first female play-by-play voice when Michael Cole's willing to, uh, ready to step away, which... Fine, but the system sucks, and the commentary as a whole sucks. Doesn't it always feel like she's talking at 14 out of 10 in volume? It drives me absolutely mental. No, but I think you hate women, so I think (laughs) that's... That is not fair. (laughs) (laughs) That is not true, everyone listening. You mentioned one thing with uh, the pandemic and the way NXT may have changed the way they booked and do do their show, but how much do you think it could have also been they're trying to turn that product into what you normally would see on a Monday, Friday, as they went up against AEW? And now you have the announcement that NXT is going to be moving to Tuesdays. I think we're going to possibly see the show go back to more what we saw prior to the, quote, Wednesday Night Wars that started almost a year and a half ago. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to get into that. And I think we'll get into that one a little bit down the line. I want to kind of go just back real quick on the on the O'Reilly and, and Cole stuff because you were bringing up. Hogan and Savage, and the reason why that worked so well, again, because they were as cartoonish as they were, those were grounded and they were based in in real emotions. Macho Man was jealous, you know, on every level of of Miss Elizabeth, of Hogan's success, all that stuff, and it you know manifested itself into one you know just huge blow up that set up WrestleMania. For and that was year long story from WrestleMania four of you know SummerSlam in eighty eight the teamwork and you could watch the little things where Savage is is eyeing Hogan you know he picks up Miss Elizabeth on his on his shoulder Savage is like what the hell is this guy doing right like all that stuff it works and that's what O'Reilly and and Cole done and I don't know that we gave enough credit to the fact that they have clearly had to alter this story because what was that what's that uh, British or Ridge Holland. Right, that guy was clearly going to be a big part of this story. Like he dumps Adam Cole at the at the feet of Kyle O'Reilly at the end of that one takeover. There was going to be the Pat McAfee influence. That guy's knee gets shredded up. Okay, so now they bring in Lorkin and Birch. That gets him into the uh, the war game situation. They clearly had an idea, and I I don't know exactly where it would have been. Who would have pulled the trigger? I assume it would have been Adam Cole. Would have been like working with 
Pat McAfee or something like that. But they still got to where they needed to go and then just gave us that absolute A-plus of a segment where each guy laid out their motivations so clearly. Adam Cole, I am not a backseat player. I play second fiddle to nobody. Again, the jealousy, it's just oozing out of him. O'Reilly gets to then play off that. And I mean, just, I mean, again, line after line after line with this guy of just, you know, we became champions, we became better wrestlers, but only one of us became a better person. Find me a better line in a promo in the last two years. You can't do it. Strong stuff. I, I personally think that this is that segment was the best thing I've seen in 2021 by a wide margin, even counting AEW, which has also had some really good stuff. But to me, like Reynolds hits it right there. The lines that were in that were well put together. Just they, they breathed who those two characters were. It was awesome stuff. All right, next up, we got is Britt Baker the top female in the world right now? Reynolds, going to go to you first on this one. Uh, you know, I'm a Britt Baker fan. I got Britt Baker merchandise in the house. Uh, I would have more if they had uh, the colors I liked, but I, I only wear black and uh, the occasional green. But uh, no, she's not. She's fantastic. She's an incredible performer, but she is not the best female in the world right now. Uh, Io Shirai is alive, last I checked. Asuka is alive, last I checked. The Bailey is alive. Charlotte is alive. There is so much talent in the women's division in WWE, NXT, and it's it's too hard for somebody that hasn't been doing it for as long. I think she's been great in the time that I've seen her, which has been, I don't know, however long AEW's been around, I guess. But I, she just doesn't have the track record. Yes, fantastic match with Thunder Rosa. She's got great promo skills. The one she did this past week to follow up, I thought was phenomenal. Uh, maybe, I don't know if we're going to split hairs here, maybe just a little bit less than O'Reilly and Cole's segment, but still real, real good because she raised her stock out of a loss, which is phenomenal, and was able to take shots at you know Mick Foley and the legends and, and turn the adulation of the crowd right back into who that character was, true to form. Love that. Fantastic. But there's too many people that are above her that have done it on a consistent basis, both in the ring and on the mic, that I can't say she's the best in the world right now. Fair enough. James, do you agree or disagree? Is Britt Baker the top female in the world right now? Uh, Britt Baker is not the best female in the world right now, but I do think she's the hottest commodity in the in the industry right now. The best wrestler in the world to me right now on the female spectrum is going to be Lo Sarai. I think uh, you can argue her in-ring work has been the best in the industry, period, male or female, for the last six months. And I think she might be the first crossover far as Vince with the Japanese. I think with her facial expressions and her overall just markability with her looks, I think she could be the first really like international Japanese star for Miss McMahon. No. All right. <laughs> no, Vince McMahon will never let that happen. Uh, Rob, what are your thoughts? I'm actually going to go opposite here. I think Britt Baker is the best female performer going in in the world for professional wrestling. Number one thing that she does, she talks better than anyone else. And if you ask anyone who's in, in the wrestling business, it's all about can you talk someone into the arena to see them perform. Britt Baker, like Reynolds mentioned, the moment she went out there, you had people cheering for her because of the match that she had last week, but she brought it back down, and she attacked your hero, Mick Foley, where Mick Foley's on Twitter saying, wow, that actually stung me a little. 
because yeah, she called you out. I hope to see Mick show up on, on dynamite uh, within the uh, upcoming weeks. Britt Baker goes out there. She does what other women don't always do. You see the blood from there. You saw the different injuries for her being a dentist, for her to all of a sudden have teeth missing, which is kind of ironic, which is a really good uh, part for her. And no, I mean, she does whatever she can to incite a crowd. So no matter what, you're going to go out there, you're either going to love her or hate her based on what she's saying. You know, and then her whole thing, D-M-D. Like, I mean, you just, everyone says it with her. It's like, it's not sing along with the rock again. You know, here we go. We're, everyone likes her, just like the personality that she brings out there. And, the, and for me, the other thing, and I, I've heard Bruce Pritchard say this before on his podcast and others, she doesn't need a title. She has never been going for the AEW Women's Championship. It's like that title is like an afterthought there for the women's division because you have either Thunder Rosa going in there, bringing in the NWA Women's Championship, or you have Britt Baker in there where it's, it's secondary. So you, she's someone getting over on the fact that she doesn't have to have a championship. I think the cool thing, too, is that, you know, obviously you guys are well-versed in these products, and, you know, Io Shirai came up twice, and the advantage I think the main roster women have is they can work with each other. When you're talking about Britt Baker, you know, no one knows who any of these people are, unless you're a super indie nerd. Like you don't know necessarily Thunder Rosa and you don't know, um, you know, the remainder of the AEW women's roster. You have no idea who these people are other than when you started watching AEW. So to me, that's, I think the most impressive thing about Britt Baker's run so far is she's, she's elevating herself without any like old stars like stings and things like this. And, um, you know, I think that, that just, that to me makes a big difference. And I really love Rob's point about that. She's, she's using the mic skills to bring people in and to get interested. Cause I think she's absolutely murdering it on the stick, which is the one thing that EO may not ever be able to really do. Um, I do find it interesting though, all three of you, not one of you mentioned Sasha Banks, who I think is on an incredible run herself, although been cooled off lately by creative. Well, yeah, Sasha Banks was in that list of people that I was running down. Charlotte Bailey's, you know, we could throw Becky in there when she gets back from, you know, from having the kid and all that. So I guess she had the kid. You guys know what I mean? You know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, Sasha, Sasha's fantastic. Bianca's fantastic. There, the thing with, with Brit and, you're saying that nobody else knows anybody who in the AEW women's division. Well, that's on AEW, right? They've done a piss poor job of promoting their women equal to the men. Britt Baker is the only character with real depth to her. Thunder Rosa came from the NWA and was more of like a featured attraction. And then in her moments, I mean, she is a powerful performer. She is somebody that I say this about Io Shirai a lot. She is a presence when Thunder Rosa is on the screen, you know you're looking at something different than anybody else. Same thing with Io Shirai, which is why I don't think her mic skills need to be where they are. I mean, they can minimize that with the pre-package, and they've done a pretty good job. Like, when she's in those water tank things, she is somebody that just, she changes the vibration of the entire show when she steps out there. So, Britt going against Thunder Rosa, I mean, that was just two powerhouses going at one another. Name anybody else in the AEW Women's Division that got a chance to shine. Hikaru Shida is great and has a great personality if you follow her on Twitter but they don't give her a chance to do anything. Nyla Rose has some okay bits on BTE, has a good sense of humor. They don't do anything with that. Chris Statlander's been missing for months. I know it's an injury, but guess what? You could have been doing for the last six months, dispatches from outer space. Here I am from my home planet. 
video packages to kind of get you ready for her return. She should be coming back probably around the time of Double or Nothing. Abaddon's a great character. Not so much to fun, fun to watch in the ring. I don't think she's got it all figured out yet. But they could be doing cool vignettes similar to like the, you know, the Undertaker in the graveyard kind of stuff to kind of flesh that out. AEW's done a really poor job building around anybody else other than Britt Baker. All right. Any uh, any other comments from uh, you guys on Britt Baker before we move along? She's awesome. Well, she she's just obviously the best. But like as you were mentioning, you have someone like Nyla Rose. You give her Vicky Guerrero because for whatever reason you think that well we need to have Vicky Guerrero be her mouthpiece or whatever it may be. And you know you mentioned before Bailey. I love Bailey's whole thing of she wants Michael Cole. Like, that's her, if I win the Royal Rumble, I want to face Michael Cole. Last year at WrestleMania, she gets thrown out of the ring. She hears Michael Cole's commentary, and she's like, that's not what's going on. Or it, that, like, her stuff right there is actually really good because, again, like, when she was uh, Bailey Doe Straps, I almost said two banks, or two, two belts, but <laughs> Bailey Doe Straps, it was like, okay, that's good. I get it. You got all the gold and whatever. Man, you take it off of her, she's got even better storylines going right now because she's just going there and just pop uh, – get through the entire women's division and just set her sights on everyone else. Cause she, I think she, I know you like Sasha Banks, but Bailey, I think is really the best worker for the women in WWE. Yeah. I think she's the best thing going right now in, in WWE. That whole ding dong. Hello show is, is fantastic. I've been using that on people. I, <laughs> I don't even know why it's like ding dong. Hello. Like you just gotta say, just like, yeah, I absolutely love Bailey and you guys are completely wrong. That stuff is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I think without the pregnancy, I think Lacey Evans had a really good chance to to up her stock. I think with the whole being around the rub of the both flares. And I think, honestly, I had a sneaky feeling she was going to win that match and go out of WrestleMania as a champion with Ric Flair. So I think, um, you know, pregnancy, you never want to really say that's, you know, unfortunate. But I think in her case, it might be. You're just playing the Vince rotational blondes card. That's all. <laughs> I, I think we need to drug test James, to be honest with you. Yeah, the idea to say Lacey Evans, like, yeah, they were clearly going to have her take the title off Oscar. Uh, that doesn't mean she's good. I you think know, she, she might story, she's like, one of the story was trash. She's a great mic worker. No, she's not a great mic worker. I think so. She's never been. She's never been in a storyline for you to be invested in her. So I I've th- never heard her talk in a way so, that I've thought like, oh, I can't wait to see this again. So to me, that 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 proves her her skill because to me, she's never been in a storyline ever outside of this one. She was just in with the flares, and her charisma still shows with wrestling Dana Brooke. You try that, <laughs> but I don't think Dana Brooke's good either. And I, you know, to the thing is like with Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose, and the, yeah, yeah, I'm sure they work hard. That's great. They're still not fun to watch, and I'm not a big fan of of people going around going like you know. In ring works a little sloppy. Like, you know, nobody in this room has been in within a, a wrestling ring doing the craft for 20 years. So I'm not a big fan of that kind of critiquing. That being said, Lacey Evans is just garbage in the ring. Like, I watched her in that match with Charlotte a few weeks back, and there was three different spots before they went to the first commercial break where it looked like she was lost. <laughs> like, I was like, what is going on in here? You know, and it's it's a difficult thing to, you know, remember spots and with, you know, all the other stuff that get thrown at you. I get all that. But she has been, she is somebody I think they fast-tracked because they thought the character was so much better than anything else they had developed. And it's just, their in-ring work has not caught up. She, I don't think she's good in the ring. I don't know that she'll ever be good in the ring. And to me, the, the storylines she's been a part of have all been garbage. Fair enough. All right, gentlemen, let's move on. Uh, 
We've got a segment called Mashman's Corner here. That'll be fun to take a look at how we go back through the WrestleManias. WrestleMania 37 is upcoming. And uh, each one of the guys here decided to take a look at the last uh, 30 years of Mania. Starting with WrestleMania 7, let's talk to James and see what his thoughts are on that event and how it compares and contrasts to what we may see in the uh, coming weekend. I was very pleasantly surprised going back watching WrestleMania 7. I think it's really one of the most underrated WrestleManias. You started off with the opening match. You got the Rockers, you know, getting the crowd energetically ready. It's the debut, WrestleMania debut of the Taker. So that, you know, has a very great historical significance. You also have, I think, one of the best build WrestleMania main events just far as going home, having the crowd happy, having the crowd in the seats. You have a heel they hate. They hate right at the moment due to the whole war situation with the traitor, Sergeant Slaughter. You have Hulk Hogan build as the American hero, the whole from from the beginning of the uh, broadcast to the end in the in the moment where he has the belt swinging the American flag. I think that's really great old school booking at its finest. Was there anything that stood out to you um, in comparison to to what we'll see in you know two weekends as to maybe something that you wish you saw from back then now and maybe something they don't do as well as they will do now? I think what what they definitely didn't do as well as is now is some I found a lot of matches the matches drug on. I think WrestleMania Seven had a lot of that, but I think. What they what they do well, what they don't do now. Was what I just touched on was the booking. Was the booking of actually caring about the audience, have, getting them invested. I think they did a great job in that WrestleMania. And I think that will be really sorely missing in this year's WrestleMania. All right, moving along to WrestleMania 17, Reynolds. Uh, what are your thoughts? Obviously, this is one of the most I think popular WrestleManias maybe of all time. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one? It was pretty good. Oh, I should go on more. Uh, no, I mean, this was an easy assignment. Like, I saw, you know, when you threw this on the rundown, and I saw it's like, you know, 17. I was like, all right, Jesus. And like, it's, when you, especially when you go, like, compare it to today's product, I'm like, I, it's not even fair. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, that, those are in two entirely different worlds. And to me, you know, you have, yeah, you have Stone Cold and The Rock in the rematch from 15, right? You got, you guys were talking before we went on air here, the Undertaker and Triple H match. Which there wasn't as much of a build for that. That was, I think, if I remember the setup to that right, was Triple H saying, I beat everybody, and then Undertaker coming out and saying, you haven't beat me. And that was it. And then I think that to get the match, Kane was going to throw Stephanie off a balcony at some point in time. Uh, I, You know, I mean, like the simple, stupid setup, stuff like that, and they beat the hell out of each other all over the, uh, what was that, the Astrodome, right? Then you have the, the TLC2. You know, with that crazy spot where where uh, I forget who's I think Jeff Hardy hanging from the uh, the top of the where the belts are. Edge does that spear, which is insane when you go back and watch it, and like the, it's like a delayed reaction from the crowd when he hits. But the crazy thing about WrestleMania 17 that I, I think most people kind of overlook. Do you guys know what the loudest reaction was the entire night? Is anybody here? Give it the rub. Yeah. What do you got? I, I think I do, and I believe it was for oh during the gimmick battle royal. No, it's, you're out of your mind. Oh no, when somebody came out yeah. there, I think it was when Bobby Heenan came out. They were all excited. No, not even no, close. I did, not I, even close to what the reaction. I, I, I just I'll give it to you because we got we got time. Uh, it's Linda McMahon getting out of a chair. That's all it was. 
was during the Vince Shane street fight, which I, it was either a week or two prior was the Shane bought WCW angle to the to that story. But Vince had been just like a, a massive prick, right, to his wife. He's having an affair with Trish, all this stuff, right? He puts Linda in the, she's like comatose. I forget exactly how they got to that spot, but he puts her in the chair in the corner and is like, watch what I do to Shane, blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, this is when Shane was good on a mic uh, back back in those days, not when he's calling Braun Strowman stupid. But Shane, you know, then he's, he's you know, sitting there and he's doing, he Vince turns, I think he's got a trash can and he's, you know, about to way late. Linda gets out of the chair and that place lost their mind. Right, and then she, you know, pantomimes something. I don't like you. Whatever she said, kicks him low, and, you know, Shane actually does this weird kind of celebration thing, which was funny, but that's, like, the loudest reaction they got all night because that's how well-crafted the story was. Months long of Vince McMahon just being a douchebag and people excited that his wife finally stuck it to him. It's simple at its core and executed perfectly, and that's what's fun to watch, that we're not seeing anything coming up in whatever we are a week from Saturday. Now, you're right about that. I did hear that on Bruce Pritchard's podcast. He did mention that. That's that a second Bruce Pritchard of Screw that guy. <laughs> no, no, no. Don't say that. Hey, just because he loves you doesn't mean that he likes you. But, no, I, I remember that whole storyline. Vince wanted a divorce, so she became, Linda became comatose. or oh, like funny, she. Man. So they put her in a sane asylum. Like on Valentine's Day, they give her a box of candy and flowers. Like, you don't deserve it because she just was, like, zoned out and everything. It, that was, like you said, a really good storyline. Then even after that, too, because even though Shane had purchased WCW, you end up having Mr. McMahon there saying, you know, uh, focusing even more so on his family where it was, okay, he was going to be with the two man power trip. So it was going to be Vince with triple H and Steve Austin. Now I'm giving even after WrestleMania, but it was a whole thing where they were, he was aligning with that one side and you still had Shane and you thought that Linda was going to be on his side as well. So I, I, that was, that still went all the way through, even though Linda still went off camera, but it was still all part of it. Cause even those, those lines Vince would use sometimes like, you know, you're, you're uh, he, like in 98, he said to Shane, you are nothing more than you're just like your mother. And yeah, yeah, yeah. it was like, oh, is that like, and he's like, no, he always said that about his son. <laughs> that, that Stephanie's like Vince and Shane's like Linda. Well, so we moved from WrestleMania 17 to WrestleMania 27 with Rob. Um, incredible event. Not in the good parts. Uh, it did set the record for the largest attendance at the Georgia Dome. But that's because WrestleMania did that, not one specific match. Correct. Yes. Did but Bruce, tell us did about Bruce it. Richard say that? <laughs> oh no. Well, well I, I, I've heard I've heard Jim Ross say before, and Bruce Richard, how there's no matches that actually have anyone come to WrestleMania anymore. WrestleMania can go into any dome in the country, and you're going to get a sellout, 75, 85, 95,000 people in there because I'm here to say I went to WrestleMania. You know, we just had the anniversary of WrestleMania three. You had whatever the amount may have been come in to see Hogan Andre. And you ended up getting one of the best matches ever in Randy Savage, Ricky Steamboat. But you also had different matches in there, too, with the Hart Foundation and Danny Davis against the British Bulldogs and Tito WrestleMania Santana. WrestleMania 27 was so good. He's talking about WrestleMania I know. 3. I know. <laughs> I know. That's the thing. WrestleMania 27. You know what you, you're going to see in WrestleMania 37? The same thing from WrestleMania 27. The first 15 minutes of the show, all you had was The Rock 
I will take as, it if the Miz wins the title as at WrestleMania 37. Oh, well, yeah. oh, <laughs> Rock walks out there. It's 15 minutes in before you actually have a match. And then you have one. We start off with a world title match. And then all of a sudden, it's like you you built up Alberto Del Rio for almost an entire year from when he showed up. And what, what do you do? Well, he loses to Edge for the world title. So what was the whole point of bringing him in to build him up for that reason? He won the Royal Rumble, the largest Royal Rumble ever. And he loses. And then you end up having a six-man or um, mixed tag match. Oh, wow. Snooki's in it. Oh, Bad Bunny's going to be in this one. He's got a match against The Miz. It's the best match on the card. You're excited about it. I know that. <laughs> I, I, would, I wouldn't say necessarily same, excited. I just think they've laid it out right. But, the lo- the but love, it's the, the same The love affair this man setup. has with The Miz is, is starting to worry me. But it's, it's the same setup. WrestleMania 27, 237. It's the same booking. Everything that they're doing with it, except it's going to be across two nights now, not one. It's just the way WWE has been for at least a good 15, 16 years now. You're going to get a celebrity in there because it's going to get any type of PR coming from whatever media outlet out there. You are right that there is a formula. Yeah. They're, they're, they they're definitely have found their formula. They're sticking with the same yeah. thing over and over. You have a host in The Rock in 27. Oh, wow, you have a host in Hulk Hogan and Titus Young, or whatever his name is. I can't think of his oh, name. Jesus, Titus, man. Titus, Titus O'Neil. I'm sorry. He blocked me on Twitter, so I can't always yeah, remember you, his name. Yeah, because you couldn't get his, couldn't get his among name other, right. Yeah, m- among other You're things. You're probably trying to tell what Bruce Pritchard said about him. Hey, Bruce Bruce probably likes him. I mean, Bruce is still there. But you're doing a host. Why do you need to do a host? Well, Titus O'Neil has to be there to balance out the racism quotient because they're having Hulk Hogan there. And they're like, look, we can't. Hulk Hogan's hosting. We have him next to a black guy. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a good that's, point. I don't know if it's necessarily a good point. Like, I'm mocking a, them. I'm mocking point. them in a good it's, way. It, it, yeah. It's a point. Let's put it that way. But it's, it's you're going to see the same thing from WrestleMania 27 with WrestleMania 37. Like you said, it's a formula. It's worked. Everyone's going to go in there, watch it, and say, oh, you know, it was okay. Because those good WrestleManias are of yesteryear. Okay. We always go back and talk about, oh, WrestleMania 3 or WrestleMania 7 or WrestleMania 17 or any other one that was really good. I was at WrestleMania 30, so I'll put that as one of the best of all time. But for, since then, it's just the same thing over and over that we just keep seeing. It's the same matches, too. Think about when they instituted Money in the Bank. It went there for at least how many consecutive years until they realized, hey, let's just do a pay-per-view for it. Yeah, I I think that... that- it, there is definitely a formula, but I think ultimately what really matters is, is there a match or two that can steal the show that everyone will talk about? And I think even if you go back through these various manias, um, we kind of talked before we came on air about uh, Daniel Bryan and Triple H. I think that's a that's a match I feel like that needs like more publicity and more like people to like see how good it was. And James brought up like how... Triple H, you know, sells so well, and the crowd is so into that match. I mean, Daniel Bryan is red hot. They finally gave it's him the push. The, it's also the first match on the card where they had energy. You know, but, but also the buildup to that match. Yeah. You got yes. Triple H telling him for five, four months that he's a B-plus player, and he, he gets to take that frustration out on Triple H. And I think the offense he, he implemented and the way Triple H was wrestling really highlighted that buildup. And I think that's why the audience... We're, we're into it. So hopefully we, we get something of that nature at Mania 37, maybe Banks and uh, Bel Air. Possibly. Like they, 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 Daniel Bryan's story going into WrestleMania 30, which only was happening because CM Punk quit the company, right? Like, yeah, I think Daniel Bryan's on record as saying that he was supposed to wrestle Sheamus again. 
right? The only reason that that story happened is because they were kind of backed into a corner to make that happen and because the crowd was so much into Daniel Bryan. There is nothing, absolutely nothing that can approach that level that can be that good with a story. There was a whole post on the on cage side seats today that said these WrestleMania stories suck. And they ran through match after match about how trash everything is. I would say right now, I've said this, I think I said this last week on the show, Miz and Bad Buddy is your best actual story going in. If we look at actually what right now is could be the best story and best match, it's probably Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn because it they haven't had enough time to screw with it. And man, I see they, I mean the company. If if the Miz the CIA. and Bad Bunny is the best storyline in wrestling, I'm not watching wrestling anymore. Like you need to say in wrestling, I said going into WrestleMania. You need to stop saying that because no one's gonna buy WrestleMania. If, if, if that's what I gotta look forward to, Miz wrestling Bad Bunny. I haven't seen Bad Bunny do a wrestling move yet. And that's the most anticipated match. I've I've got bad news for you. You're doing a wrestling podcast. You're buying WrestleMania. You're spending the four ninety nine. Of course I am. Babe, yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, we're, we're yeah. trying to help. We're trying to broaden the horizons of the, of the, you know the industry. We can't do that promoting Miz versus Bad Bunny. Well, listen, our podcast would be a lot shorter if they were really really terrible, at, and they are. So it makes it really easy. Oh, man. All right. Well, guys, that's a pretty good recap. Let's move along here. Uh, a segment we like to call Push or Bury. Uh, give each guy a wrestler, and they kind of have to tell me if they think that the company has to get behind them a little bit or if they should kind of send them back down the card a little bit. So, uh, Rob, I'm going to start with you here, sir. Uh, you're going to get Sami Zayn, who now has a match with Kevin Owens at WrestleMania. What do you think the result of this match should be and maybe a little bit on to what you think they should do with this character? One, I'm glad Reynolds mentioned this right before this because when I saw the rundown, I was excited because anything Sami Zayn does is hilarious for me. He looks like Fidel Castro out there right now with the big beard and the, and the military-style hat, how he believes that everything's a conspiracy. He wants Owens like on his side. They're gonna like He doesn't agree with the whole conspiracy theory. You know what? This is, this is KO Mania 5. I want to see the shirt with Owens on one side, Sami Zayn on the other. The mega powers explode. This is going to be this is going to be a, a great match. And whoever wins, even if Sami Zayn loses, keep pushing him. He's hilarious out there. Just to go, watch, I anticipate I anticipate for Sami Zayn to go out just to say something stupid every night because he's going to say something funny. He's keeping me drawn into just the most ridiculous type storyline out there. Yeah, he should still be the Intercontinental Champion. Yeah, there's a conspiracy against them. Britt Baker did the same thing. I'm going to bring back Britt Baker when she did the whole thing when she was uh, in the wheelchair. All this happened. I got injured. Conspiracy. Conspiracy. Well, I'm going to challenge you a little bit. So give me something that coming out of WrestleMania. Does he win, lose to Kevin Owens? Would you have him win, lose? Would you? What would you do with him after it? On, the, on that choice. I would have him lose. And one of the main things is that, you know, the whole thing is Kevin Owens is going to, like, beat some sense into Sami Zayn. This is not my friend that I'm used to anymore. You know, this is someone totally different. So you have Sami Zayn lose to Kevin Owens, and then he just keeps going off the deep end. Because why did this happen? Why did, oh, yeah, because my best friend, conspiracy. You're on the side of the company. They sent you over here, but, oh, no. Now it's, uh, I got to keep getting my retribution and keep going out there and keep showing you. Keep Careful showing with that word. I know, that good, ah, good, 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 good point. Um, it's group doesn't exist anymore. Erase <laughs> from memory, please. Yeah. But just the whole, the whole buildup can still be that Sami Zayn, everyone's out to get him. And at some point he's going to actually win. And then that's when it's going to fall back to, well, there really was no conspiracy because it just all came back. 
Like I'm still like the intercontinental. accountability. Yes, I'm still yeah. the intercontinental champion because oh, I told you, I told you I'd get it back. And I, it, I never lost it. I don't know why you just said that, but it made me laugh because you're like, hey, I'm still the Intercontinental Champion. Like, it's just him, like, losing his mind, and he just yes. dreamed the last year or something yes. like that. They, they can do it. Like, his own little Firefly Funhouse. He woke up, he's like, there's the belt. I still have it. Don't I still have idea. But, but, but at this point, you have him, like, kind of kind of trim his beard or whatever, like, go backwards. Like, he's let himself go a little bit. So let's have him come back to being the normal Sami Zayn that, we're, that we were used to prior to this. Interesting. All right, uh, next up, we got James. Uh, your guy is Cesaro, obviously, the match with Seth Rollins. Has potential to be one of the best matches, I think, of the card, depending on how much time they give him. Uh, the fact it's split, obviously, the probably better chance that we'll get more than the five minutes that some of those mid-cards do. Um, what do you do with Cesaro here? Uh, would you have him win, lose, and, and give me a little bit of booking going forward? Uh, I think we definitely have to push Cesaro. I think he's been one of the best talents in the Western industry ever since his days in ROH. And I believe that this is going to be the first WrestleMania with a live cry back. And I think that they're going to open that show on, on night one with Rollins and Cesaro. And I think due to the in-ring talent of both of them and the fact that it's the first match back, you know, in the pandemic era, I think it has a chance to challenge Owen Hart and Bret Hart as the best opening match in WrestleMania. And I think Cesaro is going to beat Rollins and then get pushed into the mid-card situation after uh, WrestleMania. All right. That's it. James says some wildly outlandish stuff, man. <laughs> like just, Cesaro, Seth is going to challenge Owen. Brett. They have the the skills and they're they're way more athletic and stuff like that. But I mean, I love the fact that you go out on a limb, man, with some crazy stuff. It, that well, I, it, I, I disagree. To with. me, it's not really crazy because yeah. if you think about it. What has been a great opening match since Owen and Brett? It really hasn't been one. Didn't you just talk about Daniel Bryan and Triple H was like a fantastic match? I mean, right, like you literally right, right. just did. WrestleMania 10, WrestleMania 30. That's 20, 20 WrestleManias. Thank you. I did not know, man. <laughs> <laughs> then, then, like I said, it being the first crowd back, the, the crowd's going to be crazy. Plus the entering town of both of them. It might be the, the best match between both nights. So I, I think it easily has a chance to, to be in that running for one of the best opening matches in Mania. That's a good case. I don't. Know. I don't think it's a good case, but well, I, I mean, I do know. think he, I did think you made a good point about if they open it and that the excitement of fans yeah. being back could play could play a big role in that. But, but I also I'm just curious. But, though, but like, just on paper, yeah, in ring, what is like, you just look at it? What is going to be a better match than Cesaro and Rollins as far as in ring talent? Rob, you want to take this one because I'm pretty sure you just talked about it for like 12 minutes. Yeah, I'm obviously very big with the storyline and how you can talk someone into coming to the arena. That's that's my big thing. Like, no matter what, you got a good storyline going, bring people in, they'll be into it. And like you said, if, if they are the first match, the most important thing for them to do is just to get the people out of their seats. Just be the best match out there to get the set the tone of the night. You're obviously going to have the come down match and everything, but no matter what, you want people to remember it. And yeah, I, I do think it's probably going to be potentially the best match from from night one. Talking about Cesaro and uh, yeah, Cesar, yes, yeah. I will say I think I think that is a fantastic choice for the opener of the entire show. I think that's, I have to, I have to look at that whole card to see where I where I would slot it to actually uh, see if I would agree with you guys because I, I know I was adamant on Rhea and Oscar opening night two, but I haven't looked at the I don't have it memorized on where everything is night one night two right now. And the only thing I feel real real strongly about on night one is that Sasha and Bianca should be main eventing over Drew and Bobby Lashley. <laughs> 
Uh, with what they did on Raw this week, I, I can't disagree anymore. I mean, geez, you broke up the best thing that they had going with, with Bobby Lashley. But, you know, typical Vince. <laughs> All right, moving along. Uh, Reynolds, your guy, Roderick Strong in NXT. Um, he's kind of in a weird spot at the moment. So I think there's some interesting character development they can do here. Um, I'm not so sure they're going to jump right into it at Stand and Deliver. But what are your thoughts on Roderick Strong and what do you do going forward with him? I really like this, actually, when you threw this out there, because it's, it's difficult. And because I think Roderick Strong is kind of limited. I think he needed the Undisputed Era to actually kind of help him connect with the audience. You know, it allowed him to be more than just a really good wrestler. You know, like, that doesn't just cut it. Like, you know, otherwise you're Cesaro at that point in time. But Strong found himself within the Undisputed Era. Now the, break, the group's breaking up, and they've kind of got an interesting thing going now where he went to Kyle this week before the contract signing, and, hey, let's kick Adam's ass. And Kyle turned him down. Like, no, this is between me and him. And now that's messing with Roderick Strong even more. He can't go back to Adam Cole. I mean, he can, but, you know, that's kind of how it's being portrayed right now. I don't know where the hell Bobby Fish is, by the way. I know he was injured for a while, and I don't know if there's some – Political things to his side because I think he got might have gotten in trouble for some weird uh, Twitter activity. <laughs> Send it back to ROH. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean that's a, that's a big part of that group that that's missing. So we're acting as if it's only three guys right now. But so strong is kind of having this identity crisis, and I likened it when I was watching the show this week to it's kind of like watching your parents get divorced and now he's acting out right, and he, you know. He, Cameron Grimes is bothering him. And Cameron Grimes is annoying, but he didn't do anything that deserved to get punched in the face, right? So, like, you kind of have that going. And I think you could play with that a little bit. And, and and what I think you should actually do, I believe he's in the, you know, battle royal deal that they have on, that on this week's show. turns into a gauntlet or something. Yeah, yeah. like the next week yeah. or whatever it is. Um, I think you have him, you know, perform well, get into the gauntlet, but he's one of the, like, early, early eliminations out. And I think what you have is you have him kind of like watch on the sidelines as Cole and O'Reilly tear it up at uh, TakeOver, which, by the way, that should be main event over Cross and Balor. You have you have him watch that, and then you kind of have him just, you know, start to get, like, super depressed. And you, and you play this, like, very, like, realistic. Like, he just, he stops showing up to work. You know, Regal, Regal's calling. You have Marina Shafir there. Like, hey, Roddy, come on, you got to get this. You know, you got to get back to work here. I don't know if you want to give him a drinking problem. You could kind of play with that a little bit. To, to as long play as Seamus doesn't show up, we're good there. What was what was the thing with that? That was Jeff Hardy, Hardy, right? Yeah. yeah, I was like, I was like, yeah, I was trying to remember what that what that was going on there. No, but you could play, you know, just play with that and have him go into this like this really super depression thing and use that to actually build up other people, like where he's losing matches to Cameron Grimes. You know, I think he's wrestling Cameron Grimes on this week's show. Uh, so it's like you know. I would have him get DQ'd against Cameron Grimes. That way Grimes gets the win, but, you know, and not like a full-on savage beating, but just just enough to show that he's not all there right now. And then I would just kind of have him do that for months where he's just kind of floating, and then finally, like, you know, again, use Marina Shafir, use the real life. She kind of kicks his ass and gets him to refocus, and what I would really enjoy is by the summer is that they, I'm a big proponent of television championships, I would like for them to create a television championship, have him set that as his goal, and then he keeps, you know, he keeps going for that. He fails in its first couple times through. And then finally by the January takeover, he actually gets it. Start a year-long run with that championship, right, where he's just the workhorse. He's defending it, each and everything. And then allow that, through that throughout the next year, O'Reilly and Cole are kind of doing their thing. 
but then have them all achieve championships. You know, maybe uh, Cole is your is your world champ, O'Reilly's your North American champ, and then you get to a takeover. And again, it, ideally, if if Bobby Fish is around, you would do a main event at a takeover of a fatal four-way between all Undisputed Era members. Uh, but as it stands right now, with with Fish kind of being gone, you and no way to really do a four, you know, each has a championship kind of deal. You would have the strong Cole and O'Reilly all as champs in a in a triple threat at uh, at a WrestleMania takeover. Nice. Um guys, so I deserve more than nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I forgot what I was going to say. No, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um any any uh you guys have any alternate takes on any of the particular wrestlers we talked about, Sami Zayn, Cesaro, or Strong? Uh, I'm going to go with Rob. I, I do think that match has, a, you know, a great situation. I think you cannot miss that chance to make that shirt. Definitely. You got to make that shirt. And I think that, has, you know, the character development of those guys ever since, you know, Owens has came into NXT and Powerbomb Sammy, uh, it's been, you know, a great story. And I think we're going to have a, a great payoff to that story at WrestleMania. Yeah, I love I love Zayn and Owens. I think there's so much potential to, to mine, you know, just from their history and to what they can build off that going forward. I don't know who who it helps more. I kind of feel like Owens could use the win more because Zayn could play off the loss better, right? So, and then you could use that, and you could almost do like something I was talking about with with the Nikki Cross Alexa Bliss element. Of the of the Fiend storyline, right? Of Nikki Cross trying to save her friend, you can almost do that with Kevin Owens and have that be a year long story. Of they have this match at Mania, all set up to do another match at WrestleMania, you know. And it's just you know the living embodiment of fight forever. As far as uh, Cesaro goes, uh, I've seen all I need to see from Cesaro. You know, he's he's not that good. Like in the ring, he's fantastic. On the mic, he sucks. And the only way to me to make Cesaro a, a real deal, and I know I sent this to you a few weeks ago, Axe, was that just shut him up. Have him go full Marshawn Lynch. Have him just go, like, you know, he wins a big match. They go to him for an interview, and he goes, you know what? I'm not talking. I'm just here to wrestle. And he's constantly shutting down the media. And he's, you know, and they're trying to force him into it, and he just, you know, he shows up. You could do the whole, I'm only here so I don't get fined thing, whatever. Right? That's what you do, and you just play into his strengths as a wrestler. Because otherwise, what you end up getting are stupid things where he was like, it's like a fine coffee. You know, like he was doing that weird, that's not even close to a Swiss accent, by the way. <laughs> but I just wanted to do an accent for Cesaro. It was a, it was a garbage promo that he did. I, I, I can't remember which pay-per-view it was before. It might have been the, the Royal Rumble or something. You know what I mean? But like, you end up like with Lashley last night on Raw, where he's like, they're like, alright, hey, we need you to do this thing. He's not smart. Like, he can't memorize the script, and he's trying to remember it, and he's fumbling his lines. Like, play to these guys' strengths, and that's the only way, to me, that you're going to get Cesaro to be a big deal. When you talk about Cesaro, the most important thing he needs, he had it once, it was with Paul Heyman, he needs a manager. He needs a mouthpiece, someone that can get him over. Unfortunately, WWE doesn't believe that anyone should ever have a manager unless it's Brock Lesnar, because it's Brock Lesnar. Now, because you have Paul Heyman still on the payroll, well, let's put him with Roman Reigns. There's like zero managers out there. Go back with, uh, can't remember his name off the top of my head, who was with Umaga, who got Umaga over the entire time going Alejandro back. Alejandro Estrada. Yeah. yeah. I was trying to remember what the I name loved was. That. I yeah. loved that guy. I thought he was great. I should know. He's actually from the Chicagoland area where I'm from, and oh. I think I should always remember that. But that's how you get these guys over. You have a mouthpiece. 
But because what? You don't want fans to do the entire bit with them. Everyone does. Excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Paul Heyman. doesn't matter. Just let, if you want guys over, let them have a mouthpiece. They tried no it with what. him. That's the problem. I know. You know? I, well, well, they did it with Heyman, but it didn't really it, make sense right. for him to no, be. No, it Heyman. didn't. And that was when you know? Brock Lesnar went on vacation yeah. again. And we had Paul Heyman on the payroll, so let's give him Curtis Axel and let's give him Cesaro. Let's typical give him, WWE laziness. Right. Yeah, yeah, we'll give him Punk for well, you know, what, here yeah, and what there. What kills me is NXT has two great managers on the roster right now, in Bivens and and Robert Stone, and they really haven't fully committed to either one of those guys. And I, I've seen particularly more of Robert Stone. I've seen fantastic work from those guys where they can they can carry segments. Like he did they did a social thing to set up why I guess the, one of the girls Jesse Kamea got injured in supposed in a tag title match with a with Aaliyah. so they had to go back to Mercedes Martinez and they had that whole uh, that whole deal. But Robert Stone was just carrying the segment because he's like here's the money and then Mercedes <laughs> Mercedes Martinez was like all right I want half now. Yeah. And he was like yeah okay yeah great and then he immediately asserts Mercedes Martinez off camera. I don't have any more money. Yeah. Like it yeah. was such a great pivot and it got so much out of that segment, you know? And and Aaliyah, it was like, you know, she's like a bad improv partner. She didn't really know where well, to where to go with it. She's she's terrible. And I'm not going to go so as far as to terrible. Terrible. I, I just, you know, I just don't think that she kind of has a full grasp on what her character she is was, supposed to be. Well, her character's bad, and I remember in that particular match uh, that they had, she was looking up at Ember Moon jumping off the off the turnbuckle. Like what when they did the eclipse? Yeah. Well, yeah, she had to. She was getting herself. No, but I mean, she was staring at it. She wasn't like doing it like when you're kind of like looking at the ref out of the corner of your eye, making sure you get the shoulder up. It was like I'm looking right at you and waiting for you to do your finisher. I'd have to go. I'd have to go back and watch that. Pretty bad because I remember her getting into place, but I don't have it. Yeah, she got. Yeah, she got into place fine, but she was literally just staring right at her, and I was like, oh man, that's way too long to be looking at her, but. Neither here nor there. That's like a Lacey Evans move. <laughs> Going back to Cesaro, though, I think there's one wrestler who's in NXT that if you wanted to make him a manager again, it's Drake Maverick. Put him with Cesaro, this little guy. He has his mercenary. You pick on him, you, or you pick on Drake, he brings Cesaro out. And that's the whole point of it. It'd actually be really, really good because I mean, he's like yay tall. So it, it, I think it'd be just like a really good little guy, big guy. When he was with AOP, wasn't a problem. Granted, they had the little comedy things where he wet his pants here and there. But I loosely call that comedy. Yeah. Well, to, <laughs> to Vince McMahon, it is. Yeah. So, but that's the thing. You put a little guy with the big guy like that, just makes him an even big, big, not bigger like really badass. Like a, not like a big enough guy to be that enforcer role. You know what I mean? Like, when you put Drake, you got to put him with somebody like Great Khali. Like, you really got to play the extremes. Really? We, dro- we dropped Great Khali in? in well, he's wow, the wow. first big guy that jumped into my head because he's, in, you know, well, he's he all a Hall of Famer. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, to give props to WWE India, that's why. But you guys, you guys, are, you guys are taking shots at that, but you're fine with Jinder Mahal's championship run, which was done for the same purpose. Don't hinder oh, no, Jinder. No, no. Don't hinder Jinder. Absolutely. See, they get it. They get I it. wouldn't. I wouldn't be cool with Jinder on Tinder. Okay. <laughs> See, I think the reason why Jinder Mahal reign is amazing. I remember, I still remember where I was at when I seen it come across my phone that General Mahal won the Fatal 4-Way to even, to even wrestle for that. I thought that my phone had broke. I said, <laughs> it, it is impossible for General Mahal to be fighting for any title. Then, the next pay-per-view, because of course I didn't watch it because he was the main event draw, but he won. I, I said, this is, so to me, to even, to have a fact to say General Mahal is in the main event shows, you know, 
you can pull anyone from the audience and make, make them a champion. Get the, the hell out of here. <laughs> Get the hell out of here. You just made an argument that Nicholas should be the world champion. Look, <laughs> if you have a storyline behind it, it makes sense. Oh, my God. Dude, Vince Russo himself is staring me in the face right now. <laughs> my God. That you just, again, the argument was for David Arquette should be the world okay, champion. tell me the storyline. Bad Bunny should of, be the heavyweight of, champion of, of the Riddle world. Being a U.S. champion. What, what storyline does he have other than he rides a scooter? What, for Matt Riddle? Yeah. I guess Riddle. We, we can't call him Matt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he rides a scooter in the back, in, in, in the locker room. That's Smokes. his. I thought he, that's not Nicholas. <laughs> they act the same. It's weird. Yeah, same age group. Yeah. I hope Sheamus beats him in 30 seconds at WrestleMania. I, I think he for will. For the record. I, think I don't know that too. he'll beat him quick, but I think he will beat yeah, him. Yeah, I think he will definitely beat him, especially after he forgot his line on Raw. That probably... You know what? That's an interesting thing. I don't know what was going on there, but it works for the character, number oh, one. Oh, for sure. But I almost... And maybe this is because I, I like Riddle as a performer. I think he's... Uh, I don't think... I think people were kind of crapping on him too much for being the kid's character. I don't oh, think it's, it's his best not his presentation. Fault. Yeah, it's not his yeah, fault. But... I, Almost what I wonder, because what he said right before that was asking about scooters in Japan. And I, part of me wants to go, like, maybe they gave him some stupid racist thing, and he just audibled out of it. Like, he was just like, you know, like, like hey, scooters in Japan. I'm not doing the line. You know, like, that, that could be me, like, you know, putting, too, putting too much onto him thing. But, like, like I said, that forgetting line worked. And MVP <laughs> took a shot at him on, uh, on Talking Smack. I think he was just playing with him. And Riddle just rolled with it. He's like, that'll happen, bro. <laughs> I just, it's so, it's such a shame that they just have saddled him with what they've saddled him with. I, I think he's truly talented. I think he actually has world title possibilities with his skills and he I think his ability on the mic. Yeah, I mean, I think he's that good. I just, what they're doing to him right now by making him our truth they're never going to let him get there if, if it continues on or the have him finally someone finally retire Goldberg this is not to this is not 1999 no one's watching Nitro like we don't need Goldberg like, he needs to go somewhere <laughs> I agree with you on that uh, I'm third on that <laughs> yeah. one yeah you know what's funny is you said our truth but like it's really to me is is he's Rob Van Dam now like because they gave Rob Van Dam I don't know that it was as as uh overt with the with the stoner stuff, but Rob Van Dam to me like was they never took advantage of, of all the talents that he had, and then when they finally did kind of push him, he was kind of a mess. So like, I, yeah, it is it's a bummer to see kind of what they're doing with Riddle to make him just full on kids character for all the potential he has. But I mean, like, I mean, up and down the roster, the the misallocation of resources is unbelievable. Oh yeah, absolutely. All right, gentlemen. Well, it's that time. Uh, not my favorite part of the show usually because you guys do perform well, but uh, always somebody has to lay down in the main event, as they say. And uh, tonight, I'm afraid it's going to be James, my man. Uh, I think Rob and, and Reynolds were just a bit a step ahead tonight. So uh, give us any parting words if you'd, if you'd like. Uh, I apologize for the audience that Reynolds is in the main event two weeks in a row. Um <laughs> You know, maybe I gotta, you know, get some bribe money to AB, but but uh, <laughs> you know, uh, hopefully we can get a main event slot next week. You talked all that trash last week too. Main event, oos. <laughs> I'm gonna get him. All right, well here we go, gentlemen. Main event time, the one-on-one -on -one match. 
Uh, first thing on the docket, we have who should win at NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver? The Cruiserweight Ladder Match, Jordan Devlin, Santos Escobar. I'm going to go first to Rob. All right, um, I really love Santos Escobar in this one. You got a guy who came in, took the mask off. That's the most important thing when you look at anybody who is a luchador. If you take the mask off, what are they? Now you have to give them a little bit of a push here and there. He was the interim Cruiserweight Champion. Now, okay, it's similar to like what we had with Razor Ramon and, and Shawn Michaels. Okay, the one went away, but we got two belts here. So here we go. We're going to go ahead. Ladder match. So, but in this situation, I got to go with Escobar. I think he's over. I think he's doing just an outstanding job as like one of the lead cruiserweights there. And, you know, I'm, I'm not a big fan of wrestlers wearing masks to begin with. Uh, so once you take, once that was taken off of them, you can sympathize with the wrestler more. You had to see their facial expressions. It's just, it's more for television basis. So I got to go with Escobar in this one. And I think if you give it to him, he could actually be more of a long-term champion where he just keeps taking guys out now because he's going to be the undisputed cruiserweight champion. Come one, come all, and he'll just take them all out. Right on. I did not expect Rob to go (laughs) anti-mask. Interesting. Interesting this day and age. Um, Reynolds, what are your thoughts? Do you agree in this spot or disagree? Oh, I agree 100% on the guy with Santos Escobar. I, I think that guy's incredible. And I, to me, me and you disagree a lot on on carrying cross acts. You, you're in love with him. You tried to marry him in New Hampshire, but for, <laughs> for me, like I I don't I, I haven't seen you know the the character work to me hasn't been that great. All that stuff. So Santos Escobar, to me, getting the best match out of him in his entire NXT run when he's been in the ring with guys like Keith Lee and and. Uh, he's been in there with somebody else, a uh, big name that I can't even remember right now. I was about to say Finn Bauer, but they haven't had that match yet. Ch- uh, Champa. Thank you. Yeah, so, I mean, he's been in there, but his best match was with Santos Escobar. I, to me, that speaks volumes about the level of performer Santos Escobar is. And I was never that big on Jordan Devlin. I don't think Jordan Devlin is that good. Apparently, Shawn Michaels is real high on him, but I, I, I don't think he's interesting. I don't think he's that fun to watch in the ring. And Santos Escobar just drips charisma. So, I mean, I think that's the guy you ride with. And, you know, let Jordan Devlin just kind of piss off back to the U.K. and do whatever he's going to do there where he could bore the hell out of that audience. Santos Escobar, you let him actually establish that cruiserweight title in the, in the way that nobody else has been able to do it prior. Give him, just make him an unbeatable force in the cruiserweight division. Fair enough. All right, on to question two. Uh, Reynolds, I'm going to stick with you on this one. Who should win this match, Karrion Cross or Finn Balor for the NXT title? Uh, man, I'm going to make an argument for Karen. No, I'm not going to make an argument for Karen Cross. I don't hate the guy. I just don't. I, everybody hyped him up so much that when, when, I, when I actually got to see him with my own eyes, it hasn't matched up to what everybody else has hyped him as. Meathead. I think, Doesn't like him. <laughs> I, think, I don't think he's meathead. Uh, I think Balor should win it, to be honest with you, because I think Karen Cross then can just go to the main roster. You know, probably on Raw. Just ha- have them go there, let them kind of flesh out that character or screw up that character, whatever, whatever they're going to do with it. But, I mean, I think he's gotten everything he's gotten out of NXT. I don't think he needs to really do anything more there. I think they let him play a good guy role against Santos Escobar just to kind of see what they had. So I, I think they, they kind of just emptied the tank and, and just, you know, don't waste time. Just get him, get out there and let him, you know, let him make that product better. All right, Rob, do you agree? Yeah, I, I agree with Reynolds on that. But the other important thing here is that Finn Balor, when he was placed back onto NXT, 
you need to have someone who's the face of it. And if he's the world's champion, it's the whole point is that, hey, we know that Finn Bauer's the guy. He's sort of the measuring stick. If you can have good matches with him on NXT, we'll get you up onto the main roster. So the whole thing is going to be, hey, he's a heavy, he's the uh, championship contender. Have him go do a, a series with Finn Balor. They, Balor may lose it here and there, but like Reynolds said, if you're ready for the main roster, you know, just put him up there right now. And Balor, I mean, that's the thing. You don't have to win to get – to be placed on the main roster. So keep it with Balor. At the end, they could do a handshake. Like, they pretty much do anything with NXT where there's a whole lot of love after the after the show sometimes, it seems like, at, at the end of their takeover shows. And it's just like, oh, here we go. And all right, on to the next one. All right, you guys are both out of the main event, and James just came in with a chair and slaughtered both of you. Just kidding. Um, no, I uh, – fair, fair points. Go ahead. You can talk. All right. Well, well, here's King Corbin, everybody. <laughs> right, right. Uh, back on. I had to get back on to put the ratings back on. But uh, uh, and I had to defend my boy Cross. You know, I I, I, def- I heard a lot of not, you know, anti Crossness from someone on this show, and I'm not going for any of that. And uh, you know, Cross for WWE champion. Let's go. That's why you're not in the main event. <laughs> All right. Stick to the prelims, Let, son. <laughs> last last question for the night. All right. Who should win? Kyle O'Reilly or Adam Cole in, I don't even know what they called it this time. Is it the no hole? What is it? The Unsanctioned, no, I think. Uns- it's okay, like a, yeah. yeah. It's the four four versions of a, of a match with no DQ in it that they love to just tag a dumb name on. But the feud's great. The match will be great. Um, Rob, I'll go to you first. Who should win this one and why? I'm going to go with Adam Cole. He's the heel. So if you want to get someone over as a main heel and someone that everyone's going to love to hate, you have to allow him to win, and the fans are going to grow to hate him for every reason why they, you know, they want their guy to win. If you have Adam Cole go out there and, and he loses, all of a sudden it's just like, oh, okay, so it's O'Reilly. Now you just buried Cole. Yeah, I mentioned that earlier with uh, Alberto Del Rio at WrestleMania 27. If you build someone up to a certain point, you have to – allow them to like take that brass ring and run with it. And you can make Adam Cole be the biggest heel in your entire roster in the brand on the roster. So for me, it's Adam Cole and you can do series of matches with this. Maybe if if you do have O'Reilly win, okay, but Cole comes back and then all of a sudden just, we're going back and forth, maybe a best of seven or something where it's like in the end, who's the guy that ends up, whether, you know, it's losing your hair or doing anything out of the ordinary with it, different matches, that, okay, th- Adam Cole is the better of the two based off of this, you know, reason for winning so many different matches compared to what O'Reilly may uh, will win. Reynolds, what are your thoughts? Well, I'm, first I want to take issue with uh, Tony Khan's favorite over here. He's wearing the Jaguars for anybody who's listening. <laughs> AEW but, all the way. <laughs> but, no, it, the, the, just because you lose one match doesn't mean you're buried, okay? And, and the talent that Cole and O'Reilly both have, they can overcome even a bad decision, you know? But one loss is not going to hurt these guys either way. That said, I do agree that Adam Cole should probably win because I do think this is a, a years-long story that they can tell with these guys. I know, Axe, you, you brought up their Ring of Honor run, and, and I don't really know so much about that. I saw some clips of them doing some stuff in PWG, which was which was really good, but I, I think for o- Cole and O'Reilly, the best. It's so hard because I mean I'm a huge Kyle O'Reilly fan. I think the best outcome is Adam Cole just doing something scumbaggery to get the win, you know. And, and you can't do it the exact same as the low blow that that 
Gargano did over over Champa, and they, you have to find a way to make it unique. And I have confidence that both those guys can get that way. And then you have O'Reilly just you know on the you know on the blood uh, what's the on the blood feud train. You know I think that's where you go with this. I think that's where the money is. If you have O'Reilly win though, don't you have Cole attack O'Reilly after the match? Where he go, where he walks out though, still where people are throwing stuff at him. I've seen that too much on on, on Mondays and, and Fridays. Uh, you know, it, NXT. I said it at the beginning of the show. I'll repeat it again here. They should be doing everything they can to be away from Mondays and, and Fridays. That's where all their success was made. Doing even anything like I mean, just because they do it on on Raw or SmackDown doesn't inherently make it wrong, but it doesn't help when you're already looking at as the light version of the product. And, and I don't want to see, and I don't want to hear Vic Joseph just being like, but Kyle O'Reilly won the match. <laughs> you know, like, I don't want to hear that stuff. You know, like, you can you can let it just sit. Like, you know, have a shocking ending to the match, or, you know, O'Reilly pulls out a submission and then passes out as he as gets to something along those lines. You can do all that stuff if, if O'Reilly's going to win it, and then Cole will be fine, and they could justify it on the on the first Tuesday show for NXT. Well done, gentlemen. Classic main event. Um, I'm just going to real briefly go through my little recap here. Uh, the answers we were looking for were Jordan Devlin. And the reason Jordan Devlin should win this match is because Santos Escobar is far higher than the cruiserweight title. This guy should be put on the fast track to the main roster. He is that good, as both of you are saying. Why would you do that to him? What? Why would you? Why would you? Why would hey, you? Hey, listen, we got to keep taking shots with some of these guys. So you seeing what we're seeing? We had Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre in the main event. For I, Raw. Yeah, but we Angel Angel trying. Garza and Humberto Carrillo are guys that like could be the cruiserweights on on <laughs> Raw, and they got just they were like just pissing said, in their though, pants. He, they were pissing their pants next to Drew McIntyre. He car- he carried he carried my man Karrion Cross's <clears throat> best match, which you're absolutely right. And <clears throat> I've been a huge fan of this guy since his days in Lucha Underground. <clears throat> They got to push this guy to the moon. I think Angel Garza's. I think Angel Garza's great and could be get, doing way better matches than what sure. they give him with. But I, I don't think that Vince will ever get behind. I mean, the guy just had Andrade. <laughs> the guy had Andrade for years on his roster, and then we had to be forced into firing him or releasing him, whatever, whatever the term you is. Can't talk like Escobar though. That's I think true. That's, that's big, true, and that's will make a difference. Thing. But Shinsuke Nakamura talks better, better English than anybody else that's been on the roster that's Japanese, and Vince doesn't use him. Yeah, he he wants a, he wants these guys to be able to speak to the audience simply in a way that like in his dumb can, script way of talking. Yeah, like he wants them to go through two paragraphs, and that's the problem with the Nakamura's. And I'm a huge Nakamura guy, being a huge New Japan guy. You're just ne- Vince is never going to get behind a guy like that because he can't go out there and cut two paragraph promos. It just it's just the way it is. It sucks. Neither, neither can it's Bobby wrong. Lashley, but that didn't stop them from trying. <laughs> all right, hey, MVP gave me my clearance for this. You know, we gotta stop all this slander. We gotta stop all this <laughs> Lashley slander. All right. <laughs> I like Lashley. I, I don't. Just think, I just think that I just think the spot he's in is is crazy to me. Like he's just not he's not a world champion. Like he's he's a world champion for a month or two in the middle of summer. Not at WrestleMania. Look, I was in the arena when they when they made the Lashley comeback on the Raw after WrestleMania, whatever that was, thirty four, mm. right? And the crowd went, uh, "Okay, like Bobby Lashley's not that good. He just can't cut promos. That's the problem. I feel like he just he's also same, not, same deal. Like he just yeah. doesn't have. He's he also not that the, interesting in the ring. Big guy hit hard. That's his thing. And and Drew McIntyre does it's it better. It's believable. Keith Lee does it better. Like it's just Bobby Lashley Keith Lee is, is garbage. A <laughs> 
Oh, oh my God! Wow, strong take. All right, we'll come Rock back. We'll, co- back. We'll, we'll keep. We'll, we're just gonna keep talking on that if we keep that going. All right. Yeah. Secondly, uh, the second answer we were looking for was Finn Balor. So well done on that one, gentlemen. Karrion Cross belongs on the main roster. They've done everything they can with him in NXT. Uh, Balor keeps that title prestigious if he wins this match. I think you just have you know Cross give him everything he could, similar to the O'Reilly matches with Balor, and then lastly. Um, man, this is one of those matches, and I think this is why I think Reynolds might have edged you out tonight, Rob. The the thing about that match is they're both so well like booked, they're so well talented. I don't think it does matter who wins this match. I would like to see O'Reilly win only because again, how much more can Adam Cole do in NXT? I feel like we're to the point now where he should probably get a main roster shot. And hopefully won't have Angel Garza's success, but at some point we gotta we gotta see what they got. So tonight's winner will be Reynolds. He holds on to the championship, um, guys. I know you can do it. You'll be right there. Uh, you're, you're close. Step your games up. <laughs> but uh, real quick, let's give him the floor before we bring the boys back in. Reynolds, it is your moment to cut the promo. All right, look, we didn't talk about it for most of the show. I mean, a little couple parting shots in here. But I watched Raw last night, and just, my God, the level of how bad it is, is just astounding. Like, you should not watch this show unless you're getting paid to do it. And and I'm lucky enough to make a few dollars in, in reviewing the show, and it's almost to the point where I'm willing to turn it down. It was so bad. No story really makes any damn sense. It's all just things loosely thrown together, and they think they could fix it all in the video packages, and then it's tied together by just trash commentary. Tom Phillips, you know what? I don't want to say anything too mean. I don't want to say anything too mean. It's going to get ugly for Tom Phillips if I keep going here. He's terrible. I showed him up at the Performance Center years ago when I did a commentary gig there, okay? Uh, Barry Horowitz. (laughs) But I I mean, just... so many things wrong with this show, and, and from a production standpoint as well, and they are the biggest wrestling company in the world, all right? They have been doing this for years, longer than AEW. AEW still makes mistakes they shouldn't be making, but WWE doesn't have the same excuse because AEW can go like, well, we still are new at this. Still shouldn't be making those mistakes, Tony Khan. But WWE, in the first 18 minutes of last night's show, just, I mean, absolutely pivoted Bobby Lashley back and forth, broke up the the Hurt Business for really no apparent reason, and then had commentary constantly just bashing us over the head with stuff we just saw. It's like, who do they think is watching this show? They know nobody's watching it, so they just go, throw this in here, we'll fix it and post in the editing, and we'll just turn this into a YouTube clip for four minutes because that's all anybody has the attention span to do. I don't think they watch this show back to see how bad it is. It is so piss poor, and I was so angry, more angry than I should be. Like, we're all grown adults here, okay? And this is a day later, by the way, and I'm still kind of heated about it. Like, it's it's just, it almost feels personal. Like, Vince McMahon is telling me I'm stupid. <laughs> and, like, it's what it feels like with every story beat going on that Vince McMahon is just coming through and just being like, hey, Reynolds, you're a douchebag. And you know what? I got enough of that from my parents growing up, Vince. I don't need it anymore, all right? It is so bad. The company sucks. And I will say this. it's You can't take away what Vince has created. 
all right, taking it from, you know, regional to where it is today. But it looks very evident to me that all the success of WWE had more to do with Vince as a great businessman and had the right wrestling people around him. Because left to his own devices, he, I mean, he looks like Jeffrey Rush in Quills at the end of the movie where he's writing in his own feces. All right, strong close. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, um, you know, if you got any last thoughts on yeah, tonight's yeah. show, feel see, free. See, we're talking about heated, and I'm sitting here heated that that we have to go through a two-week reign of rentals. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I'm here to pledge to my 18 followers <laughs> in, in the internet wrestling community <laughs> that we are coming for that belt next week, and it's coming home. And we'll have a party, all 19 of us, and it'll be great. <laughs> Not with those promo big, skills. Good big God. <laughs> Big feuds take time to brew. Well, it's 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 good. It's good. No, I just got to give Reynolds a lot of credit again. Come in here defending the champion. Hey, I will be humble <laughs> in my loss. I do agree with you. You on can Ron. learn something from from him, James. My, this is how you do it. My my main question to WWE and to anyone who's a wrestling fan: the three hour broadcast of Raw it jumped the shark. I don't know how many years ago because it a should have never happened. Now, like you said, there, Reynolds, there's no storyline involved with it because they're struggling to put together a three-hour broadcast. They have no idea what they're doing anymore with it. They know they don't have any legit talent over there. Everyone is on SmackDown. That's, that's wrong. That's wrong. Well, okay, not – they have good – They have but, great talent up and down the roster for, for every one of these shows. They have the, the best roster in the history of the business. It's Everything is on the piss-poor creative process. It's it is that though, but what do they have to work with? And like you said, their commentary team suck. Like there's, it's very dip, the moment that they all of a sudden took. And I don't even know why I'm saying this. They took Michael Cole off, which I can't believe I just said that. But it's like you actually found someone worse than Michael Cole, and it's it, it's just evident in the entire broadcast. It's so so difficult to watch. And like you said, you have to be paid to actually sit there and watch it right now. That's it. Raw needs to get better. I still uh, have a conspiracy theory that McMahon is trying to tank the stock price so they can buy it all back up at $4, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, it sure seems like each time I watch Raw that I'm right. Um, but anyways, thank you to everyone out there listening. Uh, we'll be back next week with some WrestleMania talk for sure uh, and a new segment called Million Dollar Man Picks where I'm going to make these guys pick uh, some WrestleMania upsets that may be a decent price in the offshore markets. I was going to say, are we going to use betting odds? And do we get the Million Dollar Man's bankroll? <laughs> the fictional Million Dollar Man's <laughs> bankroll. Yes, you do. <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining us, and we'll check you out next week.